Hello, everybody. I know it's a little dark. Oh, hang on a second. There we go. Hello, everybody. If you're wondering why I'm not being my loud, boisterous self right now, it's because of two reasons. One, I just came from TwitchCon and I'm very tired. Uh, two, I gotta be quiet so I don't wake up my parents. That's the reason why. So you get a mild version of myself. Otherwise, I'd be like, hey, welcome to Mission Start Podcast, episode 200. Which, uh, I feel like we buried the, buried the lead here, but like, yes, it is episode 200 of Mission Start Podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure they clicked they clicked on listening to the podcast when they saw that it said episode 200. That is very true. That is very true. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot we need we need to, to talk about um, or things we need to say about the podcast about what's going on, which we, we will address in the I won't say like toward the end of the podcast or an after show. Either way. We'll talk about it at some point because I'm pretty sure a lot of you who are listening to this are wondering where the hell we have been. So, but yeah, we'll address that soon enough. But before, like always, um, with me as always at this late hour of night uh, is uh, Greg Dietz. Hello. Um, yeah, there's another reason it's late, but we'll get to that too. Yeah. Unless you just want, to, unless you just want to address it now. Um, I would. Do it probably later on, probably the end of the podcast or an after show because. Okay. Okay, like after show. We'll, we'll definitely talk about our yeah. lives in the after show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot to catch up on. So. Yeah. So, and also I got TwitchCon stories, so that's the reason why too. So. But, All right. As always, let's get right into the news, the nitty gritty, the thing you guys are here for. And let me just get out of. Uh, oh wait. Oh, wait, hang on. First off, no, that's not what I want. Where's this video? Hang on. Uh, okay, there we go. All right. So, as we said before, Twitch... Actually, hang on first. All right, there we go. Okay. Uh, sorry, I did stream marker. Anyways, um, <laughs> so the first things first is... TwitchCon news. Um, This past weekend, or yeah, this past weekend was TwitchCon. Um, I was there in attendance for this past weekend, um, and uh, one of the one of the big things is obviously Twitch uh, had their big keynote at the beginning of the TwitchCon on day one, and just announced some big changes coming to Twitch. And as as people on, as people who use Twitch on a daily basis, this is something that I think all of us are uh, more inclined to keep an eye on. So let me bring up the article here in OBS real quick. There we go. Okay. So this is reported uh, by the Mercury News. Uh, as TwitchCon 2018 new tools, badges, karaoke game unveiled, streaming services deepen its set of tools and features for content creators. Uh, TwitchCon oh, is written by Gyeon Gaisen Kacho. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm butchering that. Uh, so, all right. Uh, TwitchCon 2018 took over downtown San Jose as fans, popular streamers such as Ninja and video game companies came together to celebrate the platform and as content creators. I made the announcement with an emphasis on the multiplayer aspect of the service. They go hand in hand with the briefings themes based on growth, connection, and the push to make the community thrive. Here are the major uh, features detailed in the keynote given by the Twitch CEO and CEO co-founder Emmett Shear. The big change 
comes uh, in the concept of squad stream, which will allow up to four creators to stream together in a single view. The chat is tied to whomever they pick as their main view versus the way uh, it's a way for viewers to check out multiple cha uh, channels and see streamers that normally wouldn't. Currently, squad stream is being tested out by select content creators. Uh, Twitch also improved their highlight editor, making it easier to use. Now you can stitch together clips in the single video together um, to make one awesome video. That's me. That's my weird. That's, that's me saying that to shorten that up. Um, <laughs> and then the homepage is being updated, uh, which I'll shorten to for the sake of time. And it's basically becoming not like YouTube algorithm, but like uh, having sections that will pop up for um, new partners that were just uh, that were just granted a new partnership or affiliates who just got affiliates um, or like uh, the anniversary stream is happening like those will pop up in the front page for people to check out um, let's see anything else I can put in here oh uh, snapchat uh, they're bringing in a feature on twitch called uh, snap camera um, so let me see. That's, that's probably the one thing I care about the least. Yeah, it was a very interesting thing. I would, I'm not, I won't use it myself, but it's something that's, as it's, it's a feature they're bringing over, where you can have the Snapchat icon on your on your stream and like the features of the different faces you can have on your stream, um, kind of like an extension in, in in a way. So that's coming to to Twitch, um, and what else? Oh. Uh, so the cool thing is, we, we kind of talked about earlier in the uh, in the pregame show, um, the ability to continue your your sub streak after, um, say, you know, you uh, sub for a very long time, but you know, couldn't pay for like the twelve or thirteen months in a row because you know life. Um, when you pick it back up, it will continue on, um, which is awesome. Which I. I feel like I it, don't know why that wasn't the case already. But yeah, I feel yeah, it must have been something that I want. To, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're working on it and they just like knew like okay, we need. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be this way. So I'm pretty sure they found a way to to, to look into it and fix it. Um, VIP badges, which I think is really cool. Um, let's consecrators acknowledge community members. It's a deeper way to connect uh, the view uh, with viewers. Uh, without having them subscribe. In addition, subscription badges reflect the number of months. Oh yeah, I just said that. Um, so VIP VIP badges are basically like, if say that, uh, let's say Valer, uh, which you know, hey, he's been a consistent moderator in our chat. Say that uh, he uh, is in here and he actually does a good job, or say he does some awesome thing. It's like you know what, I'm gonna give you a custom badge, VIP badge. And they can be uh, designed whatever way, but they could be a showing off like, hey, he, this guy did something cool, and now he has his badge in our Twitch channel. So it's a way to recognize uh, people within the chat and the community. So that's awesome. Um, and then I think they did they did talk about uh, a new a new show or the thing they've been doing. I haven't really I didn't really notice until recently. Uh, called Twitch Rivals, which is a it's an east. It's basically an esports show where they where you have two commentators uh, commentate on whatever game is playing. But the difference is is that instead of how usually you have when it comes to FGC streams or you know usual esports streams, like you have 
uh, just the um, the gameplay footage and then, like maybe the team name or the uh, the person's name um, on the left or right corner, but like nothing much else in terms of, like what what Twitch channels are from or any of that any of that information. Um, team uh, Twitch Rivals um, uh, allows uh, what they do is they actually broadcast the uh, the, the stream kind of restreaming it on their uh, on the on the Twitch Rivals uh, Twitch channel. Um, of the people that is are there playing. So if if me and Greg are playing, it will go back and forth between my Twitch channel and his Twitch channel, overlays and all, of what's going on, uh, and them commentating over it. Um, so that's something that they've been doing. And they're gonna expand that more and put more more money into it, which is you know, hey, cool, more into esports. But last but not least, this one surprised me even when I was there. Twitch had team has teamed up with Harmonix in a in a yeah. in a game that will be integrated into Twitch itself called Sings. Um, this new game category is a karaoke style experience that's built for streaming. Content creators can perform a list of hundreds of songs, and the community can request tunes, cheer to activate a light show, or create challenges for the singers. This this sounds like it could be one of the f- funnest features. Perhaps it could lead to the discovery. Uh, of the next great pop star yeah that's cool that's it's awesome yeah yeah fucking that blew my mind like i know I, a ton of people are going to utilize that too absolutely absolutely oh here's my thing though and, and this is a question like because it seemed with harmonics there's going to be a set list of songs that'll work which kind of sucks a little bit Hello? Oh, sorry, oh. sorry, sorry. I, I totally just blanked out for a second there. So. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was like, I was like, are you there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> My bad. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I just, I like. Are they gonna add more songs for free? Is it gonna be a thing like a continuing service? Like, there's just not a whole lot known yet, and mm-hmm. but I'm interested. I'm very interested to see where it goes, and I, I'd love to. I'd love to play it. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to do it. Um, definitely. Like I, I'm very, very curious about that. For me, out of the TwitchCon announcements, um, they also had some other announcements regarding the VOD section, which um, there, there's some really good, good stuff they're working on the VODs uh, in terms of like they're making the, the VOD section essentially like YouTube where you can organize uh, your front page of your videos. In a way where you have like different playlists and you have a different sections pretty much youtube it's pretty much youtube they're bringing youtube stuff over uh to the bot section which i find cool um but yeah i just going back on harmonics i think that's that surprised me i think that that has a lot of great potential in, in terms of like what they can do with that um and it is gonna it, it is gonna be just to see where they where they take it um I'm very curious. Like, I, there's nothing much else than just, just you know, the announcement of like what what it is and what's going to be. But yeah. Until, yeah. So there's nothing more we can we can pretty say about it for now. But the potential was endless. Um, I think out of the, outside of that, like the only other thing I really, you know, I'm really excited for. Uh, oh, actually, two things, but I'll get to it in a second. Um, I'm really excited for the squad stream, and I think that's going to be great. Like, able to. So I, I went to the TwitchCon floor to check it out. Basically, I, if I'm streaming and I'm the main streamer, but say Greg or Chubb Rock Geek, <laughs> um, 
say say greg like wants to stream i don't know fortnite with me uh, but we don't, we don't want to have to where like somebody's got to pop up two windows to do it like we could both be on the same uh, uh, Twitch channel or, or same page and they can switch in between me and Greg the entire time without leaving and That's right. awesome. That's super sick. So I'm really excited for that um, But the thing I just remembered that I think is actually really uh, key actually we actually can I scroll up here? Let's see um yes so i'll let this play in the background um but basically that they're giving it more tools for the mods um so as you can see in the behind me what they what they can able to do now is that if somebody in chat is being disruptive or doing some bad stuff i can talk to greg and be like hey this guy in in, in the uh in the mod um oh you click on the name and then the I'm just gonna get this. I'm gonna continue playing this on the background. Um, I click, I click in a name, and then like I can talk to the person, but I can also talk to other mods regarding past history. So it's like, hey, uh, this guy's been awful. You know, watch out. You can even check out how many timeouts and bans this this person has. So like the mods have more power it, to really mo moderate the the chat. Uh, yeah, it's. it's that's that's something that's been needed in the in the community for a long time. Sorry about the yawning, by the way. Uh, for a long time, is that just more options instead of just like, for example, today, right? The guy that I love that I watch all the time, Milton, was streaming, and this guy pops into his chat. He had three hundred five people watching during a PUBG stream. That is a lot more numbers than Milton usually gets for a PUBG stream. You know, when he streams Kiki or or building for GTA roleplay, he gets close to a thousand people. But when he plays something that's not that, it's, you know, 300, you know, it's around 200, 300 people. He was ecstatic that he had 300 people watching him play PUBG. Um, this dude pops into the stream and just goes, 300 people? Uh, you usually have way more people than that. Rude comment. So, you know, Milton was just kind of like, that was a dick thing to say. And the guy would kind of come back and is like, oh, just saying, I see more people in your stream usually. So he got timed out for 10 minutes. But the problem is, is that the guy then came back 10 minutes later and was just like, I'm sorry I said anything that pissed you off or whatever. I don't know what I did wrong. Milton goes, well, it's because you came in, you said this, and so I timed you out. You don't deserve a ban for it. You just need to know that maybe don't be a dick in time to stream. And... Uh, the problem that I saw was that the guy didn't have any information that he could obtain as to why he got the timeout. These tools make that a possibility. Absolutely. These tools allow, allow the individual to see why they got timed out, why they got banned. Absolutely. Now, moderators, moderators and streamers, of course, will have to be a little bit more on the ball about, you know, reasons. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's much needed, much needed. Abs, absolutely. Um, I was gonna say, uh, yeah. Also, I forgot to start the timer, by the way. So, may got a little over on this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'll talk a lot more about TwitchCon stories and other stuff I found out um in the after show. So, if you want more TwitchCon foot uh, coverage or 
thoughts and whatnot, uh, stick around for the after show where we talk about it. Okay, all right. So moving on to our next topic at hand. Actually, let me do that. Stop that. Oops. Actually, let me do that. Boom. Multitasking. Oh, pardon me. It's been quite some time. All right. And where is topic two video? Uh, boom. All right. There we go. Hang on. All right. Cool. Making sure the video is muted. <laughs> and timer starts now. All right. Here we go. Okay. So. Um, let me bring up the article real quick. Uh, this is a report off a of Game Informer, uh, written by Imran Khan. Sega's Retro's in, uh, virtual initiative close to bringing Dreamcast games to Switch. Sega's close to cracking the code, uh, so to speak, on getting Dreamcast games on a Switch. This would allow a number of games from the Dreamcast library to start making it to Nintendo's hybrid console, possibly similarly to how new Geo games release on the system's digital distribution service. In speaking in Japanese magazine uh, Famitsu, Emulation's uh, specialty developer M2's CEO Nyaiku Hori mentioned that we're, there were close and finalizing plans to bring Dreamcast games to the Switch. The promise is not new uh, as Sega's recent Sega Ages uh, retro ports were announced alongside a hope to get every Sega game on the Switch. Hori says that now they're close uh, to that goal, but aren't quite sure which method they're going to use. Um, so, why are we watching a Sonic R trailer that isn't? Uh, because I kind of got lazy, and it's Sega, and it's Sonic. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're like you're like that uh, that person that works for a big corporation that's just like, get me one of those twitches. <laughs> like, um. So, what I really wanted to spring off of this news is something I've been, I mean, it's something that I think everybody's noticed, but like, (laughs) I see dying camera. (laughs) Um, is, is the topic of, we're at a point where the novelty, oh, no, pun wise, uh, the novelty of having retro consoles, I think is becoming less of a thing that, people are not as excited for as before um and uh, it, it, okay so i'm gonna break this down because i think it's important to keep in mind nostalgia is a very fickle bitch can you sell a nintendo a super nintendo and a 64 mini console with a bunch of games loaded on yes you can very well could you do that with the gamecube Probably not. Why, do you ask? Because the way that generational gaps work um, and the way that nostalgia works, there aren't as many people who are super nostalgic for the GameCube. There are people that exist. Same with, let's say, Dreamcast. You are not going to find that group with the Sega Saturn. You will find that group with the Sega Genesis and maybe the Sega CD. Um... Do you get, kind of get where, where I'm going with this, Anthony? Mm-hmm. You could easily make a lot of money off of retro consoles in a certain fashion. You could make them very popular in a certain fashion. Selling Dreamcast games on the Switch is a really smart idea. 
Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Because you are not going to say, you're not going to, it's not going to sell well if you do a mini Dreamcast. It's just not going to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think the other one that, that that Sony could do is like a PS2. But yes, I think if, if, yeah. if they were to go past that, I don't think it would work. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, a PS2, I think would be, I, I want to say probably the last, I'm thinking of like, you know, meaningful uh, uh, retro consoles they could bring back or do a thing with that. But then again, I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure people will go nuts for a, a, a GameCube as well. So I uh, can't necessarily say that. But I will say, though, we're kind of getting to the point where we're that that fresh car smell that, you know, that's at least to me, from my eyes, at least what I've seen, like that fresh car smell that, you know, that excitement for a new retro console of like. Let me let of, me show you what's let me show you what's brilliant. This is brilliant. <laughs> This is really smart. When you go to the extent, Anthony, of oh, I gotta. There we go. Game selection. Um, when you do this with a service, and you promise to add more games to it, that's really that's so good. That's so good. For for listen like, for listeners at home, he's holding up this Nintendo Switch to the camera. He's showing up the NES games. Um. But yeah, you're right. You're like, like Nintendo has made it a yeah, it has it made a essentially yeah, like like the portable device of the Switch has become that for like. <coughs> the a, point I'm getting came. at is 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 the 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 topic the question topic Anthony is do we need more retro consoles? No, we don't because we have this. We have the Xbox and the PS4. Mm-hmm. They are capable of having those you know those emulators on them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all you're getting with those boxes is basically a, a <clears throat> dumbed down Raspberry Pi. <laughs> That's all you Absol- get. Absolutely. 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 Um, fucking Lily. <laughs> and, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. And realistically, buying one of those mini consoles is more about the, about the, um, the novelty of it than it is about the games. Uh, but I think if there's people that actually want to play the games and don't have the money or time to invest in finding old school consoles and getting the classic stuff, they just want to have fun playing Mario 3 again or playing Sonic the Hedgehog. We just need to constantly be putting the emulators on current consoles. Um, this is how you keep that, sh- that stuff alive. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Because you and I have talked about in the past how, like, how do you... Take something like video games, a a um, a virtual platform, and create essentially a backlog. Because um, with like film or or music, that's very easy to do, very very easy to do. Um, but with video games, it's maybe not as easy because you have to format the game to work with a specific console. However, people are shown time and time again that their nostalgia pushes them to want to buy this stuff. Mm. Oh, to answer the question, no. We don't need new retro consoles. We need more emulators or uh, emulations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because um, here's the thing, I don't I don't I don't want to buy any of these novelty systems. I would rather just have fucking Power Stone 2 on my Xbox and be able to play that online. Absolutely. That would be dope. Yes. Yes. I really, Absolutely. really want. I really want Billy Hatcher on my fucking Switch. 
Are you sure you really want Billy Hatcher on your... I love that game. Okay. Don't you dare. Don't you fucking dare. But yeah, like, I think that... It's it's a it's a weird thing too, just kind of seeing it, looking at it now versus what you know. Because I was I got swept in that in that hype, like I was super excited for the NES remakes and the Super Nintendo remakes, and and I was like, oh my god, I gotta have one. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, look at him, look how cool he is. Look at him. No, no, he is he is he is not cool. <laughs> um, fucking hell, how dare you? <laughs> But as as Orion says in chat, like you know, the NES Classic Mini is all but obsolete if you have the the Switch online, and he's right. Like these com these companies, well, obviously there's there's definitely some uh, hoops and ladders they gotta gotta they gotta jump through in order to have uh, some of the games which may be licensed or may be something a bit harder to get um, than uh, than what the, what they have with their own uh, catalog, but. It is, should be a no-brainer. Right? It should be the fact that you know these these consoles should be able to emulate what uh, what game they could be able to, able to to bring on to the console. And we're talking about consoles who have much much we're talking light years of uh, of technology power that when these games come out way back in the day they were did nothing compared to what it is right now. So yeah, yeah. it's. It's. I think, at the core of it, it sells. How well can it do? Partially, I want to say politics, just to get the game on this on the on the service, depending on what platform and exclusive price and whatnot. I think they're the, the two main things that really kind of drive it. But I'm with you. I'm with you though. I'm getting to the point where like you know what I I enjoy the fact that you know it is very very convenient to have a retro console, but at the same time like I'm getting to the point where like you know what if you can give me a console or if you, if you can give me a way where I can play everything on one thing, you know if it is a Switch then you know I'm probably gonna get that. So yeah. yeah. Yep. I I, I think that. Uh... I think that services need to do what Nintendo's doing. Um, that to me, that to me was a. It was it was such it was such a, a landmark moment for me where I went, man, I really like what PlayStation and Xbox are doing with the like monthly games for free. Mm -hmm. um, but it never quite felt like enough. But could you imagine if Xbox were to just like I mean. I'm going to give you another example of something that irritates me about games for gold and PlayStation Plus games or whatever. I know we're going over time now. Um, you only have a set period of time to download it or it's not free anymore. As long as I have the service on my Switch, all those NES games are, are I can play. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I would... <clears throat> pardon me. I would just much rather, like old school games be available be readily available on both consoles while i'm paying for this service mm -hmm. so i don't know i'm just i'm just it just seems like a no-brainer but anyway Man, yeah games are hard games are definitely hard to do so all right moving on to our next oh hang on let me double check okay good double check in there um <laughs> all right moving on to our next topic at hand 
Um, so this is a report off of NicheGamer.com, written by Brandon Orswell. Or Sal, I cannot. Pronounce. Sorry for those who knew this podcast or haven't heard from from for, from a while. I'm bad at names. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, titled, New, New Sony Censorship Policy is Forcing Japanese Developers to Censor Themselves Even in Japan. A new policy from Sony Interactive Entertainment is forcing Japanese developers to censor games uh, in not only Western regions, but, but now even in their home country. Japan uh, Developer Light recently uh, held a live broadcast where they confirmed Sony's new and aggressive policy against sexual themes and similarly, only Japan-made games is actually printing from from them being releasing their latest visual novel. Uh, note: the following lines are a transition trans, uh, translations of the source, which is a transcript of the live broadcast. Uh, the game Silveral Trinity um, is our is our latest visual novel opus, and sexual themes in it. Developer Light noted that Sony is getting strict with their approval process, especially regarding sexual themes. The developer noted that they were hoping to release the game for PlayStation 4 soon after New Year's as development on the game is complete. However, Sony has reluctant to approve the game. Furthermore, Sony is confusing, confusingly asking Jap Japanese developers to plead their approval only in English, making the process even more difficult for developers whose staff only speak or, uh, or write in Japanese. The developer noted that if they were going to release the game on PC via Steam, they could release it next. Uh, they could release it next week, while the Western release of Japanese games with sexual content have been censored for decades. This is the first time we're hearing of a platform holder forcing J uh, Japanese developers to censor their game for release in uh, in their home country. The new policy from Sony forced publisher PQ uh, to cancel the Western release for Omega Labyrinth Z, as well as Marvelous to remove a reoccurring feature in the latest Saturn Congra game, Saturn Congra uh, Renewal. Um, and it goes on to say about other games that have been affected as well. Oh boy. I it's, mean, you know yeah. me, I, I hate I hate censorship mm -hmm. as a whole, mm -hmm. but it is also Sony's property. Like it, it, is, it is what it is, you know, like, who are we to tell any company how they should like the, the in in this specific instance we we can't really tell sony about them wanting less sexual content that's all yeah like I, it sucks in terms of like it, it limits devs on what they can and can't do more more so now but um at the same time like you work with Sony, you know what you're getting. At least now. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that when you're working with, yeah, were a... you? Did you have the mic like on your throat as you were drinking? Oh, I'm. I'm I forgot how powerful this microphone is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, 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 uh, I was gonna say, um, it, it, it sucks, and but that's kind of how you. That's kind of how the game is played. Not, no pun intended, but, um. When you're dealing with a platform holder like Sony or with Microsoft or with Nintendo, they're going to have their own rules and they're going to have their own policies. Um, and there are times where they'll bend those rules for some companies if a game is really anticipated and like maybe they'll make more sales if they kind of look away. Or uh, there'll be times where like they have this strict rule on on all games and everybody and everybody's an equal footing on uh, whether to get this punishment or not. Uh, 
Sony hmm, is interesting because like this also is you know you could tie into like what Western and Eastern um, ideas on like what what we see as sexual pornographic versus what Japan sees versus you know what the U.S. sees. So it's also that demographic well, as well. When it, yeah, when it plays of course. I mean, that's that's another thing that we we've talked about before too. Is like how different and how different Japan and America are when it comes to what's considered sexual content and and what's considered uh bad or whatever like it, it's did the stream die are you there i'm still here i'm just quiet uh, yeah yeah uh, my my end must have fucking fucked up um mm. yeah no my xbox is just acting weird no okay internet fail what <laughs> the fuck? oh no i mean you're still with me yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm still with you. It's just my my Xbox went and uh, went cuckoo kazoo. Ah, uh, gotcha. <laughs> um, just the Twitch app. Oh, whoa! I'm still connected to the internet on everything else. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just like the the difference between what and not just in sexual content, but just other things in general, like violence and. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've brought up all the time is, like, Japan has has embraced the, the cute, has embraced kawaii, if you will, whereas America kind of shuns it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, another thing is, is how different, uh, like, animation stuff. Uh, here in America... We love our animation. We love our cartoons, but not nearly as much as Japan does. Absolutely. Because they, they will push forward a thousand animes in a year. Um, this is why it always seems like you can never catch up with new anime. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, put, they put more time and money into their, into their, into certain things. Uh, the, the culture over there loves RPGs way more than we do, especially turn-based. Um, the gaming culture, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just a bunch of little things like that. So, so Sony going to the extent of censoring their games in the way that they want to. I mean, who are we to who are we to tell them no? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it is our it is our platform, and they can pretty much say you know what what can and cannot be. And you know, again, I mean, you, do do you truly believe, Anthony, that sexual content can make or break a story? And I'm not talking about the idea of like. You got the idea that she was sexually assaulted. Do we need to see it? Yeah, it. it, it if it's needed in the story, if, if it tells something that's important, then, then like, sure. But if it doesn't, then you don't need it. It, it all depends uh, on how you can not, tell like, it. Like, it could be important. It can be very important to the plot development because it changes a character. Mm -hmm. But do we need to see it? Like let's say let's say it's a slice of life story, right? And it's about okay. a boy. Okay. And he find and he finally has sex, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Do we need to see him having sex? Do we just knowing that he did, and how it changes relationships? Oh, with some okay, people, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You're, okay, yeah. We we don't need to see it, but we can have like traces of it to kind of indicate that it, it did happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I definitely get it. Okay. Um, so that's yes. my point. Is it's it's not something that's so inherently bad that they change. Mm -hmm. uh, it just means that if a dev was working on a game where a girl is half nude, aka what we're watching right now, 
Um, and now they have to, uh, sorry, now they have to censor that or change how it looks like. Yeah. All right, pal. Like, yeah. You want your game published? Yeah. And, and to kind of also circles around, um, cause like was recently like steam was going through this as well with, uh, with censoring, the the visual novel area or like you know the hentai area on steam um and uh you know for a while they were pushing against it and then you saw other platforms like hey uh good old games and like other platforms like hey steam's not gonna let you publish it we'll come to us we'll publish it for them for you and then you see a response quickly from bow was like oh we're just gonna let everybody just kind of just submit whatever we're not gonna have no restrictions on anything so, I mean, that's kind of more of a reaction for them, but like, you get the point. Like, it, it is definitely becoming more of an issue recently when it comes to having these type of games on certain platforms. And, you know, I, I, I am, I am in the firm believer that sexuality is obviously very contra, contra, uh, uh, controversy in, uh, in the United States because, you know, controversial, controversial, yeah, in the United States because, like, uh, you know, see, seeing a naked woman, you know, hide the children, like, oh, they're gonna burn, it's gonna burn to their images, versus, hey, they can watch Terminator 2 and it's fine. Like, there's a lot of like contradictions that I'm thinking of, of a lot of things in regarding to sexuality. And I'm all supportive, like, hey, if, you know, it's, let's be adults about this, you know, if it's, if it's involved in a game, if it, if it, if it strengthens the story, let it be. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm against censorship, so like, we'll see how time goes. But at the moment, it looks like Sony's probably gonna just keep their foot uh, on uh, on not letting anybody in Japan kind of producing any game content that has some sexual themes or of that nature, from from what I'm um, looking at so far. So, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing to say about it beyond the fact of like, you know, oh well. Yes. Oh well, we gotta move on. Yeah. I mean, if anything, like, let's see what happens in the next console generation. Like, Microsoft maybe the ones coming in, like, hey, Sony doesn't allow you to have you on your platform. Come to our our side, because they kind of been positioning themselves to become uh, the the more uh, consumer friendly company and console recently. Um, all right, so give me one second here as I switch uh, into, okay, there we go. Ah, yes. So this is already been, this has been covered already. Um, hang on, there we go, okay. So this has already been covered already through various pod, gaming podcasts and various gaming websites, and I think even further beyond that. But I do want to take an opportunity for us to kind of give our thoughts on the whole uh, crunch um, controversy that was brought up during a Red Dead Redemption 2 um, interview, uh, which was later on. It was, you know, it was later on further explained. But, you know, f for the sake of this, you know, I'll, I'll read it and we'll respond to what we've read, but also what is out there. Um so uh, this is written as a polygon.com written by Owen S. Good. And I'll just get right to the quote here. 
Um, on October 14, 2018, New York Magazine published a lengthy feature about the government and high-anticipated launch of Red, Red, Red Dead Redemption 2. In it, Rockstar Games co-founder Dan Hauser described the workload necessary to deliver such a richly detailed open world and video game experience, or video game experience. Quote, we were looking one, uh, we're working one, uh, we were working 100 hour weeks, uh, several times this year, Hauer said. The story went on to tout that 300,000 animations, 500,000 lines of dialogue, and the uh, voluminous code base in the game. Uh, reaction within the gaming community was swift and intense. Working conditions in games development, particularly long hours and expectations of overtime, has been a mainstream topic and a subject going back to 2004. Though Hauser later gave a statement saying he intended his remark to reflect the Red Dead Redemption 2 senior writing team's uh, workload within a limited timetable, the fuse of this controversy has been lit. And I post a link in the chat for those who want to check it out. Um, all right. Good night. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yep. Um, so, I'll, okay. I'm gonna let you have the floor on this one, Greg, and I'll respond to my thoughts as well. Cause I feel, I, yeah. I mean, I, I go for it. Go for it. On, yeah. This has been <laughs> this has been going on forever. This is nothing new. Crunch in video games has been around before the internet. Uh, developers have talked about before the internet was a thing that uh when you you know we gotta we have crunch time before e3 we have to make something quick and i've read and heard about crunch in video games forever that being said it's ne it's never been okay that also being said from what i've experienced from what i've read about developers that worked on red dead redemption 2 that was not it was not a mandatory thing in any way shape or form People were told to go home. People worked eight-hour days and then were told to go home. Um, there were some people who worked 60, 70-hour weeks just to get stuff done because they wanted to, not because they had to. Now, was has this been a problem in, in Rockstar's past? Yes. Have they fixed it? It seems so. But this is a problem across the entire gaming industry. Um... I, I personally do not feel that, from what I've read, from what I've seen, that Red Dead Redemption 2 deserves the ire that the internet seems to want to give it. Um, I'm staring at my mic instead of my camera, which is weird. <laughs> uh, also, if you're the type of person that goes, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to boycott buying the game because I want to boycott Rockstar. Well, you're not boycotting Rockstar. I've talked about this in the past when we talked about uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. You're fucking over the devs. You're mm -hmm. absolutely fucking over the devs. The developers for, Rock, for, for Red Dead Redemption 2 said, yes, some of us did work long hours. Yes, it kind of sucked, but we wanted to get it done. Don't boycott the game because when, they, when the game sells well, we get a cut of that. Yeah. It's... Same, for, same for the devs when it came to any other game that you choose to fucking uh, um, walk away from because, you know, you don't agree with the company's labor policies. But a lot of people aren't looking into the into the information. They're, 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 it's a knee-jerk reaction. It is, uh, it is definitely a knee-jerk reaction, but it's also, like, it, it is at a time where this popped up right, like, right around the time where the massive layoffs at Telltale Games happened, 
Um, there was another well, company. This is also, we've also talked about this in terms of like, let's say the DLC and microtransactions thing. I've said it before. It's a case by case basis. You can't sit there and say all like a fucking blanket statement because mm -hmm. that's stupid. It's not everybody. It's not every company. It's a handful, maybe, and each situation is going to be different. If you take that information you learned with what happened with Telltale, which fucking sucks, mm -hmm. um, and you apply that to to Red Dead or Rockstar, you are an asshole. Like I hate to I hate to be that kind of person to sit there and say that, but I'm sorry. That's stupid behavior. Mm -hmm. That's seriously like looking at three kids, three children that are that are brothers or sisters or whatever, and child A does something wrong, so you assume child B and C are going to be able to do the same thing. That's fucked up. Absolutely. The, 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 I'm just trying to. I'm just the, the only reason I brought it up because it's at a, at a time where that was popping up with that new story, and this kind of no, added I on top. <laughs> I know what I know what you're saying, and I'm not saying that you're insinuating that it's the same thing. You're, but you're pointing out that people can, are going to be knee jerk about the Rockstar yes. situation because of the Telltale yes, situation. And my point is, is if if that is a legitimate thing in your brain, oh, I, I got you. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say that you call me an asshole. Fuck you. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, so my, my, I was I was kind of closely like looking at this entire situation. Like, I, crunch in general sucks. Like in general, it is a practice that has been a, a something that has been within the game industry for the longest time, possibly from the very start. And I've read people who are like, who said back then, like, "Hey, I cannot wait to be in the crunch and in, the, in you know getting this game done and like you know doing for the greater good." And I've been hearing yeah, there was a guy there was a guy that that came out publicly, Anthony. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but he came out publicly and he was like, "Yeah, when I worked on." Grand Theft Auto 5 I was do I did like a month of, of 70 hour weeks because as a developer I wanted to get that done I wanted to I wanted to put my all into it and yes did it strain my relationship a little bit but you know I I, I knew that it wasn't going to be forever and it was just a short period of time mm -hmm. and I moved on with my life and I'm really proud of the work that I did but nobody wants to look at that nobody wants to look at that they just and that's another thing Anthony that 100 hour week comment was about the writers exactly exactly but not it, the developers not, not the programmers right. like that fucking mind boggles me that everyone o omitted that part right right and it i think i i think that you know what they did afterwards is you know like let the employees speak out like hey you know you're more than welcome to speak about you know your experiences at red dead you know take it or leave it you know and there was a, there was a, there was an article written by um uh, I forgot his first name, but Schreier, he, uh, from Kotaku, did an incredible piece on both sides, talking to both people within Rockstar and people in former employees regarding it. Um, and just kind of described, you know, what, what in detail, like, they went through and, like, what was the culture of, like, you know, some employees will, like, you know, say, like, hey, they weren't, you know, uh, they weren't mandatory to work 100-hour uh, uh, weeks, um, but, like, the culture around it was, like, hey, if you didn't, you know, you might look like an asshole for not doing so against these other people, and uh, who are doing it. Well, that's yeah, that's another thing about about culture of crunch that a lot of people don't like. They don't really want to look at, 
is it might not even be the higher ups forcing the the overtime. It might just be your other other employees that you're working with, other programmers mm-hmm. who just frown and look up look down upon you because you didn't put in those extra hours. It's it, it's there's there's so many factors and angles. There's this, just a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers to it. It's you could you can easily <laughs> sit down the more than ten minutes that we're doing this and I just dissect everything. Um, you come to me, if you come to me with a, with a story about a developer that was forcing, forcing, like you will stay here for another three to four hours after your shift is over uh, or after your eight hours is over to work on this game or you're fired, then yes, we need to go after that company. Mm-hmm. That company is not Rockstar. Yeah, I agree. I, well, Eh, I mean, it, 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 I don't. I mean, I, I, I agree. I agree. And then one of the things that kind of brings it up too is like, you said earlier, like you know, what, what, what should we do? Like, should, you know, I'm gonna go boy, boycott the game. It's like that's not helping the people who made it or you know no, the devs. Still, still, go buy, still go buy the game. Yeah. But but you know, putting, putting like, that's the beauty of today. We have we have the technology to put pressure on developers and absolutely yes um, and uh, publishers when we aren't happy with how they're doing things mm-hmm. you know um it, it, video games is a very hard market in order to get things done correctly because with film or music you just don't buy it that's as simple as it gets and there's a select few people who don't get paid because when you make a movie the people who get paid when you go buy a ticket is the studio you know the director the actors the staff they all get paid before well before the movie comes out um, they don't necessarily get a cut. Uh, it's very rare for an actor to sign a contract where they're like, I get a cut. So I'll give you an example. When um, uh, Jim Carrey did uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, he actually uh, signed a contract that was like, I'm just going to get like 30% of the ticket revenue. Um, that's super fucking rare. Everybody gets paid bef- well before the movie comes out, and the studio just tries to make that money back. If you don't go buy a ticket because you don't agree with how that studio is handling its business, that tells the studio you're not happy with how they're doing things. Mm-hmm. Video games is such a harder area to go down that route Absolutely. because there's so many extra factors. Absolutely. And just to end it on this note, um, you know, like if if you want if you want change, and I think that the idea and the direction of many people wanting to have better working conditions for uh, employees in all aspects of game industry um, is, is a good mentality to have. Um, in terms of you want that change to happen, like it's gonna have to come from up, from up top as well as like, it, what can anybody else do? Like you can't boycott the game. Like the best that gamers and people can do, podcasts even, it's to just call them out on it. It's like, hey, this is something that I'm not agreeing with you. Like, change this, please. And and then if they hear it and they, you know, change up top, that's great. But it's gonna have to come from them. So, yep. It's yep. it. We'll just see. Keep putting, we'll just see. Keep putting, we'll see. Just keep, yeah. Just keep putting social media pressure on on publishers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, don't like. Don't be so mad at a publisher that you are willingly going to fuck over the devs. Like, just don't do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you'll be, you'll be fine. Everything will be okay. Yeah. And, and that's another thing. It suck, crunch sucks, but those they are still getting paid. They're still getting. That is paid. that is very true, and it, that is very very true. They are they are getting they are definitely getting their money. All right. 
Now, let's see if I can do this. Um, it is time for... Hang on a second. Let's get this started. All right. So, you know what time it is. Well, actually, now you don't. It's been a while. L let me remind you what time it is. It is time for the Overwatch Minute with Greg Deets. Are we good? All right, so I don't have any notes actually set aside like I normally do for the Overwatch Minute. It's been a long time. I was trying to do small videos to put up on YouTube, but I, I just felt it wasn't as fun. It didn't really have that spice, if you will, like doing it live. So I'm just going to kind of talk about the game overall and, and the state that it's in. Um, so there have been a, quite a few changes with it when it comes to characters. Uh, tweaks here and there that I'm sure you've heard about. Um, and, and things have been a lot of, a, a very interesting. I don't want to say a lot of fun, but, um, one of the things that was added recently was, uh, Hammond. I think I've talked about Hammond. Um, he's been changed around quite a bit, uh, but not too much. We actually just had a big change to Torbjorn, now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, what happened to uh, him? So, you know, whenever you put your turret down, you no longer have to build it. You just put it down, and you oh. just kind of throw it too. Yeah. Oh fuck it, yeah! All right. And when it lands, it's automatically a, a level two. Mm. Uh, his uh, okay. He also does not put down shields for everybody now. Instead, he can go. He can go molten core for five seconds himself, hmm. not his turret, just himself, where hmm. he fires faster. Hmm. Um, his. Uh, Oh, what's his other ability? So he can throw down, yeah, he can throw down the turret, and he can go molten core. Those are his two abilities overall. And his ultimate now is that he throws down like molten lava in hmm. like a location that does an exponential large amount of damage. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's been that's been pretty cool. Um, the uh, the Overwatch community in general kind of seems to embrace some of these changes and doesn't it's really bizarre how they kind of go back and forth with how things are changed and moved around but um i think the game's in a good place at the moment i know they're still going to do tweaks and stuff they talked about wanting to change a lot of characters there was actually a developer update that came out like a week ago and i still haven't watched it um before my new job has been busy uh, <laughs> um but the the the, the biggest complaint that i keep hearing and this is the thing i wanted to bring up to you anthony get you in on the conversation mm -hmm. um the uh the event that's happening right now is the halloween event and the, and the the skins are great the skins are awesome but the event itself is the same shit we've had mm. it, it's the junkenstein's revenge nothing's changed it's mm. the same thing kind of boring like, not going not gonna to sugarcoat it, kind of boring. Like, 
it's really, really hard to get excited about an event when there's nothing new except for skins. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, Fortnite is kind of taking it to an extent of changing the map and adding elements that make it fun to make you want to keep coming back week after week. Overwatch isn't doing that. No, granted, they're two entirely different games. Pardon me, different shooter games. Shoot, shooty, shooty em ups. But if Overwatch wants to keep their fan base playing the game, they're really going to need to bring something new. Uh, I love Junkenstein's Revenge, but for for fuck's sake. Like, <laughs> I, I was bored with it after the very first time they came out with it. I really didn't want to play it the second time. And the only reason I play it now is to get my free loot boxes. That's it. Question. So what year are we are we in right now for Overwatch right now? Is this year we're, two? We're in the we're in the third year. Third year, okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's been out for two and two years and a few months. Okay. So I think, and this is me talking. This is uh, embodied voice that you may not see on the stream, uh, but uh, it it is definitely you know again game, games are hard to make. It is not easy. Making content yeah. for games is not easy either. But it's definitely getting to the point where there is it if there was a if there was a plan set in set in stone, if there was something that Blizzard can do, which I'm pretty sure they can, um, having fresh content happen every other month would help keep player base, you know, happy but also people coming back and so on and so on, as long as you have new content being pumped into the game. With that said, I think my gut is saying that Blizzard knows that they're using the same thing and they're only using the same mode uh, for this year's Halloween event uh, for people to get new skins. Because I think that well, that new mode, whatever they want to do for the next time around, will be in the BlizzCon announcement. So whatever they're gonna plan to do, you're you're. Pro I hope you're right. I really hope you're right because, like I said, the the Jungle Century Revenge is boring because we played it so much. Mm -hmm. And um, this this was and this wasn't just a problem with that, Anthony. This was a problem with the summer event with Lucio Ball. That's like, true. You're just right. Yeah. Playing Lucio yeah. Ball. Um. And it'll be the same thing with the winter event. Uh, it's just they—I know what they're trying to do. They—they—they they, they see a spike in interest in the game when they add new maps or new characters, specifically new characters. Um, or they do big hero changes. That's when they see huge spikes in their in their returning players. Um, but I—I I feel like they would see that huge spike with new content, new stuff to play. Um, you know, I know that, you know, at the beginning of every season, they see a huge spike and, you know, like when they added Busan, uh, the, the Korean map, um, after the diva video, mm -hmm. they saw a huge spike in that. So my, my point is that why rely on a few things when you could rely on everything. And, and I'm not looking for like. A, a huge overhaul of a new event. I'm looking just for something, something more entertaining than Junkenstein. Something more entertaining than May Snowball. Something more entertaining than Lucio Ball. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe give us the option on how to change Lucio Ball. Or, or true, yeah. Like, 
You know, I, I think I made the comment. I was like, I was like, oh, what if we could play Lucille Ball with just Reinhardt? Yeah, that would be fucking fun. But mm -hmm. it, it it is definitely an interesting time for Overwatch, especially at this moment when it comes to Blizzard. Um, I think. I, I have faith that Blizzard has something that with their sleeve at BlizzCon that I think that they're holding the cards back and knowing that they're using the same templates for these holiday events for now. I think... Yeah, but, I, I mean, this isn't to say I don't love Overwatch. I just... Mm -hmm. I don't want to see Overwatch, like, fall into a certain obscurity. Because mm -hmm. um, I really, I really feel like the the numbers on viewership for the Overwatch League are enormous. Yeah, that that's huge. Yes, ab so, absolutely, absolutely. So, it's and, and maybe that's maybe yeah. that's another thing, Anthony. Like I was playing a lot of Overwatch when I was watching that, mm -hmm. and because I, you know, because I was like, I was like, I want to play right now. And now that the Overwatch League isn't happening, I just don't have the desire. So maybe there's that. I don't know. There's a, I feel like there's a lot of factors, but... Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, there's really not a ton to talk about at the moment. I mean, there is a ton to talk about, but um, nothing major uh, that I can come up with. Top of my head. Like I said, I didn't make a list. So... Uh, but next time we do a podcast, I'll definitely be more prepared. I just kind of forgot I was doing the Overwatch minutes. So. Yeah, no, it's, again, last-minute type of thing happening tonight. So, But, hey. um, but yeah, uh, I would say that's it for the Overwatch Minute. All right, there you go. Your Overwatch Minute with Greg Deeds. All right, guys. Um, as as mentioned, kind of last minute uh, on, the whole, uh, on the whole podcast. Um, so uh, bear with us, but... Uh, we're at the end portion of the podcast. Um, now, this is the part where we usually plug our stuff and, you know, check out our website and all the other podcasts we host. But actually, we're going to go a little, a little bit on what's been happening with the podcast and what's been happening with both of us. Um, so the last time we had a podcast was like a short blurb about the Sony, um, what was it? <sighs> Allowing crossplay um, that was happening with uh, Fortnite and all that jazz, because um, we had to talk about it. It was a huge event, at least in my opinion. Um, so you're also wondering, like, how am I streaming? I am actually visiting my old house uh, up here in Northern California, which, uh, to your dismay, I'm actually finally getting my computer sent down to Southern California, where I where I live at. Um, and the reason why there has been this many podcasts um, uh, for, for a while is you know, life pretty much happened. Uh, when I moved down from Northern California to Southern California, I didn't have to bring my computer with me because I kind of depended on my, on my brother's stuff. He had at least a tablet and a, and a computer that he has. Um, and it was fine for now, but I'm kind of getting at a point where, uh, I, well, I can't say what it is, but like I'm getting a point where like a certain thing, thing that may happen um, will require me to have my computer so I can edit videos faster. Uh, than what I can do now with my brother's computer. And because of my new life change down in Southern California, um, it has been put on hiatus for quite some time. Um, and I'm hoping to get it back up and running in terms of like the stream or just a podcast to do. Also, the fact that the scheduling will be different between me and Greg, since uh, Greg and I, we both work uh, 
we both work in different hours every week. So our, our schedules don't always line up. That's why for this, you know, late night podcast of our stream, by the time you, if you're listening to podcasts, this is nothing new. Uh, but uh, it, this is for, for anybody watching the stream or the archive. We're doing this uh, late at night. It's already midnight over here. Um, so, uh, again, it, we're not going away. Trust me. I want to talk about game news uh, like every day if I can. Uh, <laughs> but it is definitely a situation where life has hit its, hit its, hit its both. Um, but it's only temporarily. So, as far as like how long it'll take, we'll see. Yeah, it's 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 a bit, it's a bit rough. You know, money has to be made, bills have to be paid, lots of life things have changed, and Anthony and I really want to get back to this, and we're we are definitely working on making that a reality as fast and as soon as we possibly can. There might be a lot of these kind of late, late, late night streams for the podcast, just because of the type of job I have and the hours that I have and the hours Anthony has. But mm. as long as you guys are willing to listen to us, whether it's live or recorded later, we're more than willing to record it. Absolutely. Absolutely. If it happens, I mean, <laughs> if we're doing late, late night streams of the new, of the podcast, uh, hello, European, uh, European listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We get to we get to uh, check out we get to hang with the European crowd, um, but uh, yeah, so that's the situation right now when it comes to the podcast and streaming wise. Uh, but yeah, don't worry, guys. We're not we're not we're not leaving Twitch. We're not you know disappearing into the ether. We're, we'll still be around. And so as long as I live, god damn it. Um, so with that being said, let's go over the spiel of like uh, you know if you enjoyed this podcast. Um, it is on multiple services on online via Anchor, via iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, as well as other places, including on our website at missionstarpodcast.com in the podcast section of our, of our website. Um, and then uh, this is another podcast that we do, but which somebody's already out of date on it because like it's been a while, but I do intend for 29 was it 20 yeah 2019 to be the year of me busting my ass and all of this uh the con over is a convention uh, or it is a uh, uh convention covering podcast which we talk about our experiences at that convention you know was it good was it bad you know what are some of the things you could have worked on um and so on and so forth uh, it is called the con over it is on radio public itunes and stitcher i think on other podcast services out there as well i'm not too sure I have to figure that out. Um, let's see. That is no longer there. Okay, so... Uh, so... I keep... You know... I'll just talk about it, but like... I, hmm. Well, we have a movie podcast, I think. <laughs> uh, it's, it's... It's it's up. Like, the RSS feed is, is up there. So, if anybody does want to subscribe, and I, at some point, I guess we'll get back to it. I don't know when that'll be, but uh, it's called Down in Front. It's a movie podcast that we do that every time we watch a movie, we'll we'll talk about it, uh, depending on uh, when it comes back, if ever. But if it's up there, <laughs> you can subscribe to it on iTunes, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Um, and, yeah, that's going to do... Oh, and obviously, well, forgot, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Defective Naruto. You can follow the work that we do at missionstarpodcast.com. Greg, where can they find you on the internet? 
You can find me on Twitter and uh, other places under Chub Rock Geek. You can also follow me on Twitter, outside Twitter, on Twitch at Chub Rock Geek. <laughs> uh, really, realistically, Chub Rock Geek is where I am most of the time. However, if you'd like to hear my opinion on shows via Netflix, Hulu Plus, Amazon Prime, what have you, um, I do a podcast with my buddy Josh Fisher. Uh, he's also known as Insabiner in the chat. Um, that is called All Cued Up Podcast, which you can find at allcuedappodcast.com. Uh, we're actually going to be recording an episode here soon on The Haunting of Hill House and Daredevil Season 3, which I'm very excited about. The current episode that's up right now is um, on Big Mouth Season 2 and uh, Paradise PD. Um, uh, one of the fun things that I like that we do with it is giving it a 4, we give it a grade. Uh, because that feels less arbitrary, even though it still is arbitrary. <laughs> um, it's also a little bit more interesting and fun, I feel like. But, but yeah, uh, I think that's about it at the moment. Um, kind of hard to. It's kind of hard to keep track of like everything that I'm doing when. You know, the job is now taking more time out of my day than I'd like it to do. Like it to do, but what are you gonna do? Yep, you gotta make money. Yeah, unless you know, hey, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna give us a particular job, I mean, there's a subscription button right above over here. <laughs> also, if you'd like to just give me a job where I don't have to, I don't know go to a place with human beings i'd love that too yeah yeah maybe one day maybe one day when this twitch channel will get partnered one day uh, not even just twitch like if someone wants to just hire me to work from home oh well that too yeah i was thinking like great. i was thinking like you know full-time streamer thing but like that i mean I would, still... love, I would absolutely love that too anthony mm -hmm. i'm just i hate i don't like my job i don't like where i'm working and i'd like to not work there no more hmm yeah, I think I think I'm there with you too. Yeah, but alas, that's gonna end our 200 episode of our podcast. Uh, if you if you listen to this podcast at the end, thank you very much. And again, thank you for subscribing to our podcast. We've been doing this for 200 episodes, probably more than that because of the E3 episodes. The guests didn't count or the, the previous ones, not this year, but somewhere down the line. But yeah. 200 official Missions Our Podcast episodes. We made it through. Here's to another 200 more. Um, so, yeah. By that time, who knows? We might have been aged at least 10, 20 years. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that said, think. Oh, after show. By, by the way, after show is happening. So, if you want to stick around and talk to us or. I want to uh, listen to my stories on TwitchCon and all that good stuff. After shows, where you want to be. So with that being said, thank you for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.